The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, all right. Welcome back. It is the Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for another week. Anytime you want to reach out to either Martin Willems here or Darren Saul, always ready to answer your questions. Both these fellows working out of the uh, Vancouver office, but of course, pretty much across the country with Sam Firu to Markin, 1-855-821-5900 if you're in uh, Ontario or BC or Alberta can easily take care of you. Help at disabilityrights.ca is where you want to go through an email. And there's some more contact I'll give you throughout the show, but that's enough for now. Again, 1-855-821-5900, reaching out to Martin or Darren or their respective teams, pros, best in the business. So uh, don't hesitate to uh, pick up a phone and have a chat. It'll cost you cost you nothing. Guys, we got so many emails piling up already. We're going to get to a bunch of these on the show today, but always starting off with the week that was something that came across your desk you've been working on for uh, for a bit. Martin, what do you got going on, pal? Hey, John. Yes, thanks for that. Uh, mm-hmm. I got an email and I did end up speaking to this person. Uh, I'll read the email first. She said, the insurer denied my claim recently. They said they were trying to get a hold of me by phone and email. I missed their call once. Other times I responded by sending emails to arrange times to speak to them and got out-of-office notices. I also called and left voicemail messages. They never got back to me. In the denial letter, they said they tried numerous times to get hold of me and are denying my claim because I'm not cooperating with them. They also say that they are denying me because my doctor has not submitted his chart notes to them despite various requests from them. They say it's my responsibility to follow up with him. I did, and he sent... He said he sent his chart by fax. Now I'm cut off, although I have done nothing wrong. The reason why I want to chat about this one today is because this is something in one form or another that we see on a fairly regular basis. As we always say with every question, there's a policy which is a contract, and the contract has rights and obligations. The obligation on the part of the person making the claim is, I suppose, to cooperate with the insurance company when there are reasonable requests made. That's generally what you would see in that policy. And then also, the other thing that the insurance company would say to you is that you, as the person who is making the claim, you have the duty to prove that you are disabled within the meaning of the policy. Now, what does that mean? You have to submit satisfactory proof of claim is what it's called in the legal business. In other words, you have to submit evidence from your treatment providers which support your claim that you are totally disabled. And on the other hand, if there are questions raised by the insurance company, every now and again, they may have a telephone meeting with you or a phone call. We had a discussion about this last week as to how some of these phone calls may create further anxiety and exacerbate the person's anxiety to the extent that that person had to respond in writing, which we say is also a reasonable um, way to proceed, as long as they have the doctor's support to do so. In this case, I actually spoke to this person, and she also has a mental health illness. So struggling with cognitive issues, memory, poor memory, poor focus, poor concentration, and she's trying to on top of her medical treatment so she's following through with counseling she's seeing her doctor regularly and has ongoing meetings with both of them to discuss how to best treat her disability which is where her focus is right she wants to get better at the other end of the spectrum there's an insurance company who has been paying her but 
she has had extreme difficulty communicating with them. There was a time when there was a meeting set and she forgot about it, which is part of her disability, the poor memory issue. But each time she has reached out to the insurance company, sent them emails saying that she wants to have a chat with them. She's following up on a message that they had left. And she regularly, and I've seen these emails, she's regularly sent emails in return, these out-of-office notices that the person is not there, they're on holiday or they're in a conference, and that there is no follow-up. So she was very surprised when she received this letter from the insurance company saying that we've been trying to get hold of you numerous occasions and you're ignoring our calls. Now, the good thing here is, if there is a good thing, but this is, that she has these emails that she has sent to them and she has saved the out-of-office responses as well, which tell a completely different story from what the insurance company is saying in their denial letter. If you read their letter, they, you would see, you would think, that this lady is just not responding. She's completely ignoring them. They're trying their best to get a hold of her, but they're failing. And finally, they just said, well, look, we're going to deny this claim because you're not responding. When you look at her emails, it clearly tells a different story. And then on top of that, they're also saying that she has not provided them with her doctor's notes. Now, remember, she's being paid by the insurance company at this time. So they did accept proof that she is disabled within the meaning of the policy. They accepted that. And the reason they accepted that is because they did get information from the doctor to support that. Whether they need these new records or not, I suppose is a debatable issue. But the question becomes, is it reasonable for them to put all of this on there, to go to the doctor, to make sure that the doctor has sent these records when he already has, and he showed her the confirmation of the fact that has gone through. So when you look at this, you see a pattern, not at the end of the person making the claim, but at the end of the insurance company, where they're saying, we're making phone calls to you and you're not responding, where she now has emails to confirm that she has responded repeatedly and they're not getting back to her. So it's actually the issue is at their end. And further, she has confirmation from the doctor showing that the facts did go through where he had sent these notes. And with all of that happening, she's the one now who is being blamed and she's the one who's losing benefits. So, of course, we're getting involved in this claim because I think their conduct is abysmal at the end of the insurance company, dealing with somebody who has a mental health issue, who is struggling, who is trying to be on top of her treatment and now having to defend herself when she's taking mm -hmm. reasonable steps to try and communicate with the insurer. So the message that I want to send out with this as well is, if anybody out there is listening that has this same type of issue, struggling to get in touch with the insurance company, try and make sure that you get an email address so that you can confirm when you've tried to make a phone call to the insurance company. And if you don't, make notes, keep charts, keep, keep, it, keep track of your attempts to speak to the insurance company or when they phoned you, make notes of that discussion as well. And sometimes even report back to them in, by email saying, this is what I confirmed, this is what we have discussed. Because quite often, if they're in charge of the narrative, because they do make phone notes, they do send emails at times, and they have these notes. Of course, the notes of, I'm not saying self-serving, but it is the person who's making the phone call, generally the insurance company, who creates a track, a written track of what was discussed. And sometimes they leave things out, sometimes it is self-serving. So at your end, the person making the claim, make sure that you also note down what was discussed. 
keep a written track record of the discussions when they were happening and if there were meetings that were supposed to happen and they didn't, make notes of that so that you don't find yourself in this position where you have to defend what has happened from the insurance perspective when you know what they're saying to you is incorrect. So it is unfortunate that we wow. see these things. They do happen on a, I want to say fairly regular basis because I do at least once per month speak to somebody in a similar scenario. And it's not the something, it's not the thing that we regularly see where they deny a person based on, we don't think you're disabled or this is a pre-existing condition. This is, you are not cooperating in the context where this person clearly was doing her best to do so. What do you think, Darren, about that whole situation? Pretty tough, man. Oh, definitely, definitely. And I think Martin Martin kind of encapsulated everything, you know, uh, very, very well with with what someone should do. I think the the key here is if you're in a situation like this, is is keep a good record. And I think this person did the right thing. I mean, you've you've got emails that are saved. You send confirming emails. You save the stuff that's coming back to you. It's important to to understand in this situation and in any situation when you're dealing with an insurer that while they're paying you benefits uh, you know many times the, the view is to get you off of the benefits at some point or to get you off as soon as they can and and sometimes you know they'll take a, a an approach to it like this where you know maybe someone isn't trying as to get a hold of you as vigorously as as they're claiming um and, and you've got to protect yourself in the in those situations and the first way to do that is keep a record of everything like martin said even if it's phone notes that you're writing yourself keep notes say you know 12 o'clock this day tried to call one o'clock this day tried to call no you know left a voicemail or whatnot and keep a record of the email saying hey i tried to call you these times uh, no one right. picked up can you please respond to me you know that that's what you got to do. Second second step is is reach out to us. You know we do free consultations all the time. Never hesitate. You don't lose anything. You know reach out to us and and we'll at least help you set that up or, or try to protect you the best way that we can um, in, in the event that you are denied. Guys, anytime you want to reach out, as I mentioned off the top, to either Martin or Darren. It's really simple. Discuss your matter because man, it can be confusing for sure. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Or if you prefer an email, that is also available to you anytime. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Guys, let's get into our first email for the day. As, as I mentioned, first one says, hey, guys, my brother wants to switch doctors because the one he is seeing doesn't want to help him get better, only wants to keep pumping his uh, him, uh, full of medication and report back to the insurer. This doctor was provided by the insurer. Can he switch doctors? Darren, what do you think, pal? So... So this is an interesting question. Generally, the insurers won't provide a doctor to um, a, a claimant or, or a person under their care. Um, you know, if this is a situation where they've been sent to a doctor, um, like for an independent medical assessment, you know, that's not a treating doctor in the strictest sense of the uh, of, of the words. If this is not the person's regular, you know, general practitioner or, or general doctor, I would say yes. If you, if you don't feel like you're getting better, if you don't feel like you're getting the care that you need to get better and you're not noticing any improvements, you're just getting medication, nothing more substantial, you can seek a second opinion. Right. And, and if you get a second opinion that is more in line with your treatments, then you, you can do that. Typically, you know, as always, we go back to the policy. The policy has language in there, which typically will state you have an obligation or a duty as someone who's being paid long term disability to be under the care of a doctor. You know, I, I haven't seen a policy out there that's that says and, and Martin may want to jump in on that, but I haven't seen a policy out there that says you must attend the doctor that we provide you. Um, and and uh, receive treatment from that doctor alone. 
Um, you know, it, it, the policy will typically just state you must be under the care of a doctor and be adhering to treatment protocols or medications. And I think as long as you're doing that, who the doctor is does not really control or, or matter as much. Guys, let's take a short break. We'll get into lots more of your emails. And in the meantime, here's some uh, contact information to get a hold of Darren and Martin, too. I mentioned the email address. There's also a website constructed just for you called mydisabilityquestions.com. You can ask questions through the website. It's anonymous as well. It's free. It's also searchable for a question similar to yours. And then a nice uh, website created that's got short, concise, easy to read memos all about different subjects under the LTD banner called LTDFAQ. .ca. You can check that out again. It's free and anonymous anytime. LTDFAQ.ca. Short break and back at it. Lots more coming up here on the Disability Law Show. Stand by. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And we are back. Disability Law Show. Love having you here. Appreciate your time over the, uh, the course of the hour. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll say, you know what? It's about time I reached out to Martin or Darren and get some clarity because dealing with this insurance company is like just brutal so let them help you let them navigate through it for you how do you do it 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca as well guys another email comes in the emailer says uh hey darren hey martin my ltd provider wants to inquire about funds i received from a separate lawsuit incident ltd advised me that they have to deduct my ltd in regards to a lawsuit which has nothing to do with my long-term disability that i was awarded I looked at my policy and it doesn't state that they can do this. There's an all source payment that they're providing me monthly. Can they take or reduce my LTD because I was awarded a lawsuit earnings completely separate from the LTD? Why would they want to do this? And can they do this? They are basically threatening me by reducing my payment to half of my LTD funds. Martin, what do you think about that? Scary. That's what I'm talking about. It's overwhelming, right? It is overwhelming. And you know what? This is one of the more complicated issues when you're dealing with long-term disability claims. Uh, I know Darren and I have spoken about this particular scenario in one way or another over the time frame that we've been working together. And there is, there's always a question as to what can the insurance company do based on the wording of the policy? Because remember, they can only do what the policy allows them to do. Now, there's something called subrogation, which is a legal term. And most policies provide for subrogation. I'll speak about this in general terms as best as I can. If your disability is, an example, that somebody else caused, so would you use a car accident? You were involved in a car accident, and because of the injuries that you sustained in this car accident, you are now disabled. So you've got a separate lawsuit against the person who who caused the car accident. They are the reason why you can no longer work and the insurance company is now paying you because of that. The insurance company may say, based on the wording of our policy, we have a right to deduct whatever income awards you were able to receive through that separate lawsuit against the person who caused the car accident. That is called subrogation. So most policies provide for some form of subrogation, but every this is a very controversial subject, and it is complicated. And I know I've spoken to people over the years, I've represented clients over the years who have had subrogated claims against them by the insurance company who used to pay them. 
And we have to be extremely careful when we approach these cases by looking at the language in the policy. Because some policies may have much clearer language as to what the right of the insurance company is to deduct that. And you also have to see, was the car accident the reason why the person became disabled? Or were there other reasons? Were they already compromised and the car accident just made things worse? So there are lots of ways to approach this whether you can see whether the insurance company does have a leg to stand on with regards to them wanting to deduct from your LTD benefit income that you receive from the, the, the other action, the separate lawsuit, what this business is speaking about. Um, and the only way that we can really give a proper analysis on this particular scenario is by reviewing the policy language to see what is the subrogation language or what other language would there be in the policy. Uh, they also speak about something called all source. Now, all source maxim is another more complicated concept, which is something we speak to clients on a regular basis. All source maximum is a specific calculation in your LTD policy that determines what other offsets the insurance company can apply to your LTD benefit other than the regular ones, which would be CPP or something that you would maybe get from WorkSafe BC or WorkSafe in Alberta. So again, we would need to see the language of the policy, and then we can see how that impacts the ongoing LTD claim. I know at Darren's end, uh, we've had, as I said, we've had discussions on claims that not, might have already been settled on the separate lawsuit, and then the insurance company may want to deduct something that was received in that settlement after the fact. And it also becomes more complicated if there is a denial on the LTD side and we get involved. How does that impact things? I'm not sure, Darren, if you want to add to what I've discussed. Uh, I know this is a complicated thing and we could probably speak about this uh, for the whole show, but we'll, we'll try not to do that. But if you have any thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely think we could definitely fill the whole show. Just with this topic alone, I mean, one area that this comes up for me quite a bit is is with the employment side of my practice as well. And, and you've got things like severance payments. So you'll have people who are on long-term disability from an employer uh, while, while working for a specific employer. They're terminated during their long-term disability from that employer. So, you know, based on what the termination is, you, you have a severance claim. Uh, the extent to which that severance claim, you know, is you know, with your your income or whatnot, really depends on the wording of your contract with, with your employment side. But but we can get into that. That's a specific and separate subject. But in any event, your owed severance while you're on long term disability, like you said, in the policy, they will typically have language that that may say, you know, you, they can offset for income received or employment income received, which would include severance. And and so there there is the potential of a lot of overlap there where an LTD claim is denied and you've got severance in the meantime, there's a lot of kind of cross issues that have to be dealt with. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's a situation that is very complicated, very fact specific. Um, you know, it also depends on what other sources of income you're getting um, and, and whether you're going to be able to work in, in any other field after. Uh, so uh, as always, you know, we look at the contracts and on the employment side and the LTD side. And, and I always tell people, just give us a call. You know, we'll have a chat about it and, and we'll dig down into your specific situation and, and give you that tailored advice you need to, to be able to move forward uh, and make sure you're protected. 
Is it guys? Is it the same thing for? Um, I mean, you sell a property, you make some money off selling a, a second home or stock options that come through dividends. Can they get their little fingers in all that stuff too? You know, it's an ongoing discussion that we keep having because we, we get yeah. these questions like if you sell a second property you're going to be paying some capital gains tax you, you, you're going to maybe make some capital gains but is that income uh, right, right. these policies are based on wage replacement for somebody who is unable to work because of a disability that they have so they're going to pay you a percentage of your income that you were making with the group policy holder now you have a second property and you sell that property is the insurance company allowed to deduct whatever profit you made from that the, the response to that would be no because it's not income uh, we've had in pre previous shows we've had a discussion about does it become income if you do this as a business then there may be an argument there right if you if you're running for example you've got rental properties does rental property that you does the rent that you make uh, from the rental property become income like, like um it may be taxable income but it's not income that you're getting through your employment but if you're running various rental properties and you're now going to manage them you're going clean them you're making business you're doing the books etc then it may become employment income and the question then becomes not just is it an offset but are you still disabled within the meaning of the policy Super nuanced. So again, as always, give you guys a call. Let's get on to a, another email. It's a short one. It says, guys, does the insurance company get to reduce your benefits if you apply for and receive the disability tax credit? Interesting question. Again, so last week we had a somewhat of a theme going, and this week it seems to be about offsets. <laughs> uh, the policies have, generally, as a group policy, there would be something called direct offsets and indirect offsets. Direct offsets generally would be something that you would get for CPP in your own personal capacity, in other words, CPP disability benefits, or WorkSafe benefits that you receive as a result of the same disability. So those would be offsets. They could deduct it directly from your LTD benefit. Then there would be something called indirect offsets, and disability policies have varying language on this. Some may include severance, like Darren was speaking about before. Others may not. There may be benefits that you receive from your employer in a different sense. It may be retirement benefits or pension benefits that you receive. So the policy details what the insurance company can deduct. And they do also have a calculation that you have to follow to see whether there is an offset that can be applied based on these indirect offsets. The disability tax credit, as I understand it, is not necessarily a, a, a separate benefit payment that you receive. It is you're getting some credits because you are disabled. So in terms of taxes that you have to pay, you may be paying less tax. So I don't see how that will become uh, a separate offset under the policy. Aaron? Yeah, I, I generally, uh, I agree with you, Martin, on that. I think the, the tax credit will be treated, likely be treated different than something like a, a CPP deduction or a Canada Pension Plan disability deduction where you're actually receiving income and you're actually receiving funds. 
Um, I don't know how they would assess this, even if they, based on my understanding as well. I'm not, I'm not an expert at that by any stretch of the imagination, the, the, the tax stuff. But um, based on my understanding, I, I don't know how that would be couched as any kind of income. It's, it's simply a, a manner to reduce the amount of tax you pay. Anytime you guys want to uh, reach out to uh, Darren or Martin, you could do so. As I mentioned, simple phone call, 1-855-821-5900 is how you do that. Help at disabilityrights.ca. That's always the email we use, and we're using it right now. Guys, I think we'll squeeze in one more before the break. Uh says, I am not well enough to work in any capacity, but I miss a deadline to apply for LTD by a long, long time. I may have to go back to work. Assuming I have to go back to work because I cannot get LTD, how long would I have to be back at work to qualify for LTD again? I may have to go back even though I won't survive it just uh, just to get coverage for the long term. Wow. Martin, what do you think about that? Well, in- <laughs> these are complicated questions today. So, um, <laughs> Number one, in order to have coverage to apply for LTD, you need to be at work. So this person says they're not well enough to work in any capacity, but they missed the deadline to apply for LTD by a long time. I don't know exactly how long that time is. Um, Firstly, we need to know that when they stopped working initially, it was due to a disability and that they had coverage under the previous policy to apply. Even if it is late, he says, or he or she says, by a long, long time, they missed the deadline to apply. There may be reasons for that, right? There is something in law called relief against forfeiture, which is a legal principle that we sometimes apply in the legal claims where there may be an excuse, an explanation, a reasonable explanation as to why the person could not apply within a specific period of time. Um, And we would want to see whether that would apply in this case. So the message should be apply immediately, even if you haven't applied, it's been a long, long time, apply right now and see what the insurance company does with that. If they approve the claim, fantastic. If they don't approve the claim, then you come speak to us because we can then assess whether you may have missed the contractual timeline to apply, but whether there still is an argument to be made that there was a reasonable basis for you to have missed the application date. Um, Then it is, I may have to go back to work, assuming I have to go back to work because I cannot get LTD, how long would I be back at work to qualify? Most policies will have pre-existing condition exclusions, so you would have to have um, coverage probably from the date that the employer decides you have coverage. Some of them may have a probationary period and then you have coverage, but then you're concerned about the pre-existing issue, which is something which we've discussed many, many times. And I know we have to go on a break, so maybe you can speak about that a little bit further when we come back. But uh, these, this is a complicated issue, which we can discuss further. And we will do that after a short break, guys. In the meantime, write this number down, one 821 5900 to meet the guys uh, on a phone call with their teams and help at disabilityrights.ca. We continue after a break. Disability Law Show continues. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. And we are back. Disability Law Show. Good having you along for the show. You can reach out to the guys anytime. Martin Willems or Darren Saul here uh, taking care of things. The BC office, but of course available in Ontario and Alberta as well, pretty much across the country. Same number, one 821 
5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. You want to check out some free and anonymous memos all about the topic of LTD. Some questions may be answered rather quickly as well. This website was built for you to use in that regard, ltdfaq.ca. Guys, just before that uh, that short break, we were talking about an email where, you know, someone missed a deadline, but what they call a long, long time and thinking they may, may uh, have to go back to work to get back on policy or at least to qualify for LTD again. Uh, take us down the road a little further, Martin. How do they uh, how do they navigate this one? You know, clearly this person is struggling. So they missed that deadline. My, I would think they would have to apply under the old policy and see where that goes. But say they do go back to work. Um, I'm not sure where that would be. Uh, if it is with the old policy holder, in other words, the old employer or the new employer, um, it depends on how long they were away from work as well. So if they did go back to work, they would have to work a certain amount of hours to qualify for coverage under the policy. If it is to an entirely new employer, um, same thing would apply. You have to be what is called actively at work. And if you do go off within the first year of having coverage and your disability is related to, the, to something which you've had ongoing treatment, in other words, to the previous one, there may be a denial based on what is called a pre-existing condition exclusion. So it is a very complicated scenario for this person. I don't think we have enough information, and I would strongly advise that they call us and we can navigate all the facts and have a discussion as to what we think is appropriate. I do think it is appropriate to apply to the previous disability insurer immediately, but at the same time, phone us so we can have a discussion to see where this will go. At least this person will at least have some uh, information to make a informed decision as to how to proceed. Darren, what's your perspective on this one? What do you think? I, I agree with Martin. I think I think we need you know, a bit more information in order to give uh, you know proper advice and then a full kind of answer to the question. But but the this is obviously a very complicated scenario. They've been going through quite a lot and and you know i've dealt with the the pre-existing condition most recently uh you know this this comes up you know quite a bit it's a very nuanced topic it's, it's not as straightforward as it sounds it's not simply that you have a, a condition that exists prior to when you got coverage there's specific contractual language that, that you have to look at there's um you know a lot of nuances with that and so it's not as simple as people think you know and i think some people may look at this and say well i started this employment i have had this say back issue for you know 20 years that's obviously pre-existing if something happens to me i'm not covered it's not that simple. It is not that straightforward. What what the pre-existing will sometimes look at is a specific carve out in time. Sometimes it's three months um, and where they'll say, if you didn't receive treatment or you're not under the care of a doctor or you're not uh, maybe being prescribed or taking medication during that period for that condition that you've maybe had for 20 years and you know, you're, you're, you're clear during that three month period, then, you know, depending on the wording of the policy, you may not have a pre-existing condition according to the terms of your policy. You may still qualify if your back goes out six months later when you have full LTD coverage. You may have, be able to take advantage of that LTD policy. So, and you when you call into the insurer and say, "Listen, I've had this back condition for twenty years. Am I going to be covered?" They're going to say, "No." You know, they may say, "No, that's pre-existing." You know, sorry, you're not going to have coverage. You know, it doesn't hurt you to give us a call because this is a very, very nuanced topic. It depends on the the 
contractual language of your LTD policy and the specific facts of your scenario, it's, uh, you know, it, it's gets complex for us sometimes to untangle. So call us, give us the information. Let's have a talk. Um, you know, don't take the insurer at their word. If they're saying you don't have coverage, you don't lose anything by giving us a call and you have everything to gain, uh, especially in a situation like this. And again, 1-855-821-5900 is how you go about doing that and help at disabilityrights.ca. I'm going to throw this email uh, your way, Darren. It's an interesting one. It says, uh, I'm 56 years old and was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease earlier, uh, early last year. Recently, I felt very stressful with my work. I have LTD coverage with uh, an insurance company. Shall I contact a lawyer right now just in case this company may lay, uh, my company may lay me off because of my performance? So again, a workplace thing here too, right? Yeah, yeah. And and this is a, you know, like I talked about before, this is a common thread that you see there's there's you're going to have overlap between employment matters and LTD matters. This is very, very commonplace. Uh, the situation we've got here doesn't sound like he is on LTD yet. It doesn't sound like anything has happened with the employer yet. But he, I think this person has done the right thing. They're they're alive to the fact that because of their recent diagnosis, there is going to potentially be an issue moving into the future. They're aware that they have coverage through um, long term disability, and they're also aware that their you know performance may start to suffer. I'm not sure what type of job they're in. If it's a physical job, you know, or uh, or, or a sedentary job, it, it you know Parkinson's can't have you know disparate effects on on both um but i think what they're doing now is the right thing reach out to someone now uh even if it's just to assess your rights and to let you know what to do um there are you know key milestones that are going to happen as you know the the condition deteriorates or as things deteriorate with work so it never it's never too early to reach out and say listen i've got this issue i've got this long-term disability coverage and i've got this issue with my employer potentially it's going to pop up what's the best way to position myself to protect myself the the bet the best protection is to call us early so we can help you position yourself appropriately um you know for for any p- potential future claims you may have you know in this case the person may want to apply for long-term disability if if they the stress is exacerbating their Parkinson's disease or the symptoms or the stress is making it difficult for them to complete tasks at work, which it seems like it is, that could have employment consequences. But there's a reason here. Um, and there's, you know, in cases like this, there is an obligation on an employer to accommodate someone, uh, to, to put in reasonable accommodations if there's a medical condition that's affecting their ability to work within a certain uh, you know, realm of reasonableness. So, so you know, it depends on the the position, depends on the the symptoms, um, and it really depends on what stage everything is at. So, I think this person should just you know reach out. They've done the right first step. Contact us, and, and we can help kind of talk through the the nitty gritty of of the situation. Guys, one one more. Uh, let's take one more quick break now. Give us some time on the back end, and we'll get to a few more emails before we wrap for the uh, for the day. But in the meantime, here's that number and some more contact for you uh, when the show is done. One eight five five eight two one. 5900, the email address we use, help at disabilityrights.ca. And then the website, mydisabilityquestions.com, that is available to you to ask questions anonymously. It also has a searchable database, which means you can look for a question similar to yours, save yourself some time. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll continue after that break. More Disability Law Show is just ahead. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. All right, we're back. Uh, Disability Law Show, a few minutes to go here. Thank you uh, in advance for all of your uh, email correspondence. Keep sending them. Uh, your email might end up in a future show for sure. But beyond that, you want to reach out directly to Darren and Martin. You could do so. They, uh, the number is the same, one 855 821 5900 if you just want to have a quick chat about your situation either of the fellas and their respective teams can surely do that for you you know uh we were just talking before the break or at least darren was uh was opening up this uh this email martin about a person diagnosed with parkinson's disease stress for work and uh, ltd coverage with the uh, with the company they're worried though that just in case their employer may lay them off because of their performance should they be contacting you again stressful situation right very stressful situation. You know, what? when I was reading this email, it's remarkable because I had almost exactly the circumstance uh, pop up a few years ago where somebody did wow. reach out. And we did have a discussion as to how to navigate this um, circumstance. So I want to say a few things about this. Number one, see the doctor on a regular basis, right? Parkinson's disease, as with other conditions, um, is progressive. So the diagnosis was made early last year. So it's now October 2022. So it's been almost two years since this diagnosis was made. Um, I don't know how quick the progression is. It may be slow, maybe a bit faster, but clearly it was a diagnosis made for a reason because there were symptoms. Now this person is also feeling very stressed at work. And he, is he or she is concerned that they, he may be laid off because of the performance work performance and that will make things extremely complicated so we were speaking about coverage in the earlier segment of the show you need to be at work in order to have coverage if you apply for disability benefits after the say this did happen say he was laid off or or the employment was terminated because of performance and then the person wants to apply for ltd benefits it's going to be a much more difficult thing to do. Not to say that it's impossible. It won't be. It's a fight that I'm happy to get involved in. But you don't necessarily want to go there. You want to make sure that you have all your ducks in a row. So if you find that you are unable to perform the duties of your occupation, remember, disability claim is not just about a diagnosis. It's about functional impairment. What are the restrictions and limitations? What are the restrictions and limitations because of the Parkinson's disease diagnosis? If there's already a difficulty to perform work and there are performance issues, these are red flags. You need to go see your doctor. Be sure that your doctor reports and records in the clinical entries what it is that you are complaining of, what the restrictions are, what the limitations are, and have a discussion with the doctor whether it makes sense to maybe apply for LTD or at least short-term before you go to long-term if the employer does have that. Because... You don't want to be in a situation where the employer terminates you because of poor work performance and then you want to apply because the insurance company is going to say, well, you were working until the end. Now you may be disabled now, but you no longer have coverage. So I use the phrase, do not work yourself out of a claim. There is a duty at your end to reasonably perform your duties and to try to stay at work. But if you have a condition, don't push yourself to the edge where you do get fired and now you don't have coverage any longer. It's going to be an uphill battle. Make sure that the doctor is involved. Make sure you report to your doctor what 
your restrictions are and have a discussion with the doctor while you still have coverage as to what is the right way to proceed here. Should I just go off work? And it just it doesn't just apply to Parkinson's disease. It applies to other illnesses as well. Um, Good but call. Yeah. Awesome that you're reaching out to us because we can have a discussion with you and just review with you how things should go. Let's get to a couple more guys in our uh, remaining minutes here. Next email says, can a private LTD company make me start claiming Canada pension plan and deduct that amount from my LTD check? Just turned 60 and don't plan to apply for CPP until I am 65. How about that, Darren? So it's a great question. And this one comes up you know, fairly frequently with, with many of the claims that we deal with. And, and, and like we always say, you know, you go back to the policy. We always go back to the policy. You know, a lot of policies will have wording in there that will require you to do certain things at certain stages. Uh, for example, one of them may be applying for, in this case, if you're on LTD, it would likely be uh, CPP disability. Um, and if you are successful in obtaining CPP disability, the insurer can typically deduct that from your LTD amount. But again, that that goes back to the policy language again. If there is deduct uh, deductions uh, permitted for that, then that is something that the insurer will be able to do, and, and they can request that you do that um, under the terms of the policy. Then then that's what will happen. Um, I don't know if Martin has anything to add to that. No, I, I agree exactly with what you've said. No, this carries on the theme of the day, and CPP is the most regular one that we see deducted from LTD group policies. Uh, but always go back to the language of the policy to see whether it is whether it is an appropriate offset. And we will review that policy with you. Let's get to this one, guys. We love the uh, we love the appeal. Do we ever get through a program without talking about the appeal headache? But do appeals <laughs> have a deadline? And do appeals usually work even if my MRI reports only change slightly? I've got slightly worse. And should I ask my insurance company if I try to go back to work on a gradual basis and it doesn't work, even though I tried, can I go back on LTD claim even if my insurance company deny my claim after the two-year change of definition date? See, more headaches. <laughs> So a lot to unpack here, and, and I think Martin will probably agree this could be an entire show, maybe two. Oh, sure. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's it's so I I I am cognizant of the time here, and, and so I'm going to try to hit some of this before the break here. The appeals will typically have a deadline. It'll be you know 30, 60, or 90 days. Again, with everything we go back to the policy, it will give you, you know, when you get that denial letter, they'll say you have X number of days to appeal this decision. Um, you know, and and you you have to get your appeal in by that day. The next part of this is, you know, my MRI report changed only slightly. Do appeals usually work? So it really depends. Um, you know, there there are appeals that have been successful and there are likely many more that have not been. The thing you have to understand about appeals is you're you're going back to the same organization, the same company who has denied you the first time. And unless there's a, you know, even if there is a significant change, you're simply asking them to reconsider a decision they've already made. Um, you know, if your condition did get slightly worse, then that may be enough. Yeah. The other thing to understand is that if you do that, you'll be put back on claim. If your appeal is successful, you'll likely be put back on claim. Um, and the result of that is you're 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 still in the relationship with the insurance company and they can simply do this again. Um, 
And, you know, that's something to be very, very aware of. If you are denied, I always tell people, reach out to us right away and, and let's have a chat about what that means, what that looks like. Um, and and uh, we can kind of go from there. I think we probably have to hit the rest of this after the break. And with that, actually, we're just about out of time, guys, but it's uh, that's how fast the show goes. But if you didn't get your emails on uh, on air, we'll save it for next week and we keep uh, keep firing them over. We love to talk about them each, uh, each week on the show. Now that we're done, I'll give you some contact to reach out to either Martin or Darren at your leisure. Phone number is always first, right? 1-855-821-5900. The email address we use every show is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for any other questions, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. And we'll catch you next time right here on the Disability Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.